Welcome to another episode of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the motherload. The show is all about the world of arena first-person shooters and the people who keep that world turning. These are players, these are streamers, the developers, the influencers. It is the will of the drowned god, Cathala, that our community bands together to worship her by fragging and giving one another into oblivion for all eternity in the arena. Alright, hey everybody, I just wanted to uh, do a little intro again. I'm going to first off apologize for the long delay between episodes. It's been a crazy little while, but I'm back in the game and here to stay. Um, so this this week we have Cygib. It's such a cool conversation. Like this is the, you know he's, he's probably the, the top tier, highest tier Quake Champions player that I've ever gotten a chance to really speak to on this level. And I think that he offers a tremendous amount of really cool insight to his philosophy and what it's like to be playing um you know we talk about him being you know what's it like to be on the big stage and what's it like to deal with other players who you know are really cool to him or who suck or and not suck as in players but like suck as a person maybe and uh, just a lot of really good topics we talk about uh, drugs and esports and we talk about what it's like to win a shitload of money playing video games and all that i really hope you guys enjoy it here we go let's get in the keep with cygib how you doing boss doing pretty good cool cool and I think by the time anyone hears this, the, the new patch will be out for Quake Champions. So I, I just want to preface the conversation saying we may say things that are no longer true at that point. I'm not sure what to expect, really. And yeah. and I wanted to give a quick shout out before we really get rolling to Greylark for kind of semi-making this happen. He, oh. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of gave me the courage to reach out to you just because, like he said, you guys are already sort of friends and... He, mentioned the podcast to you before and I just I really wanted to say thanks to him like he's a for anybody that doesn't know he's he is a Quake player but he's more of a DJ and he does the the drift radio and all that shit so actually how how long do you guys actually go back oh man this is um <laughs> probably like 11 or 12 years now oh shit yeah I knew him when I was yay high so cool what did y'all do uh we just played Quake 3 together oh yeah okay. all the time cool cool and was CTF like your main? I, I think I've heard people say that about you is that you you do play CTF or did play CTF more than Duel or anything like that for a, a very long time. Yeah, that's actually what I first played when I got mm-hmm. into Quake Three. A CTF, like I played a lot of different things. CTF was always the main thing for me. So what is it about? I, I personally have never been like a big CTF guy or don't have the experience level that some people do. What is it about CTF that makes you guys so fucking crazy? Growing up, I um my family's always into sports, so like the main thing they loved was basketball and like that whole hyper oh yeah constant action going on, and that's like how CTF kind of was the thing for me. Could definitely see that, even to the extent that like when you if there were some way to watch CTF, I guess, and have it be like you know three point view as if you were watching basketball, that would actually make it more understandable. I think to someone who's not playing it. Oh yeah, definitely. Just getting those camera angles all over the map and getting all the action. Just having one person just kind of limits it. Yeah, and you can see that a bit in frag videos. People, you know, use different camera angles and things like, and to, to that nature. But I, I really, I really don't know if there's a first person way to like really feel what the the CTF players are playing. I'll have to. I don't know. I'll give it a new, another try. And also, Quake Champion CTF needs to be. I think it's gonna be better. Yeah, but. All right, so where did you start? What was your first video game you ever played, ever? 
I think that would have to be Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo. It's it's been across the board. It's all it's been all like either NES or Super Nintendo for everyone that's been on the show so far. Yep. Donkey Kong Country. Um, what was like the? I love that game. I, I think I first played it on the Game Boy Advance though, or Color. I'm not sure. It was the Advance. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Did you kind of slowly progress from there into shooters? Like when when did when did you kind of come into playing first person shooters? It um it was always the first person shooters was always there, but like when I was young, obviously my parents didn't want me to play violent things for a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't really last long because that was uh, probably like ninety six or ninety seven. I was playing that, and then ninety nine I was playing Quake three. So like it was just a few years of uh, Donkey Kong, Mega Man, you know, Mario, a Quake, Wolfenstein, and all the pretty much all the id software uh, shooters of the era. That's also a running theme, apparently, is the parents didn't want me to play violent video games, and then, you know, years later, you're playing games with gibbing and blood and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I think it, I think there's a direct correlation to your parents telling you not to, to people doing it. Like, it's so weird. Well, it's not weird. It's, it's pretty normal, but that, that's just like a constant running theme amongst Quake players is they always say that. For me, my parents, um, they actually both played Quake 3. With my uncle and like some of their coworkers and stuff would play together, and so they, you know, pushed me into it to play. It's kind of a little weird to me still that my mom played it. So, yeah, I think yeah. Um, Violent Heart. I don't know if you know him. Had a similar experience. Like his dad would play with him all the time, and and almost like pushed him to be like, like cultivated him to be a great Quake player in a way. What uh, what was the last like big tournament you actually played in? Was it DreamHack? QOL. Yeah, DreamHack winner. Okay. And is that, I believe you played Tox for your final match in that one? Uh, Yeah, for Duel, I played Tox on stage. Okay. For, that was, well, okay, the last match, what did I play, actually? I played Tox, and then I did lose to him, and then I got knocked down. I played a few people. I actually don't remember who I lost to. Yeah. I, I don't know. I was just going through, like, some, some old videos to kind of get a, a, a grasp on my perception of how you play, and and there's a lot to uncork with that but what was it like sitting on that stage what what was it like it's actually wasn't that bad like yeah. i've played on stage quite a bit now and i've uh, gotten comfortable with it over the years was it four years now since i first played on stage mm-hmm. what so, was the first uh first tournament you played on stage uh quick 2014 playing mm-hmm. ctf with um team Lulp. Uh, i don't know if you know about them not not super familiar this is uh quick live i'm assuming quick live yeah, yeah. 2014 yeah uh, so I guess how did you get to that point? Did you just like pack your bags, go to QuakeCon, or like were, were you invited? It's kind of a weird story because yeah. um, I mean, it's like a little bit of drama stuff before that, of course. <laughs> but um, I won't get into it. Basically, I people didn't want to play with me because they thought I was a cheater, and and then um, one of my friends actually invited me to a tournament to play with him, or not play with him, but it was like a draft tournament of a bunch of pro players. And he thought it would fit in, and then. I played and did really well. And, you know, I got second place, which is okay. And the next one, I won with um, another batch of players. Like, we were expected to do really bad, but we ended up winning it. And then I got invited to join Team Welp, which is, uh, it was Raffle Clock and ID. They asked me to replace VG. Kind of big shoes to fill, but did my best. And was the pressure on at that point? Were you nervous to do this at all? Or is it just kind of like, all right, I'll, I can play. I know I can. Yeah, it was just I'll, I'll do what I have to do and play. 
Um, it was a little bit uh, nervous when I heard it. It's like, oh, it's Viju at the replace, but no, it it comes oh, and goes. Just piss, do piss my pants if that happened to me. And um, let's see. So that overtime brings you progressively into more and more of a, a pro playing scene and you got into what is it team ascent is that still yeah, yeah going still part of team ascent yes. okay so what what is the process of like getting on a team like that well I, most people that are going to be listening to this have no real concept of how pro esports works and i'm curious if you can give insight to that so you get um, do you get a contract or they do they contact you um it's a little Mine, I got a little bit lucky because I had some friends who were in Team Ascent. Mm-hmm. As, but um, the best thing to do usually is to contact all the orgs you can and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm looking for a team," and you tell them the events and the prize pool and like how good of a chance. And just give you know the whole rundown and be honest with them. Most of them, like if they see potential, they'll pick you up and try to get you to whatever you need to, and just keep improving, of course. What do the but, what do you think that they see in in a player like you when you're selling yourself to them? Um, I would hope they see experience and uh, that I'm somewhat intelligent with the aim. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of have an overall round rounded off player. So I hope to see. Does anyone like give you feedback or like give you shit if you have a, a bad day? Um, usually people just praise me even when I'm doing bad. But I always tell them just you know talk shit to me. I don't care. Like a I want the criticism. I want to always get better and make sure I'm not doing anything dumb. People like I think people sometimes get a little intimidated by pro players just because like they see them overall better. But you know, everyone makes mistakes. Pro players just make a, you know less mistakes than they have to. So, so I'm picturing you and the boys in like a hockey locker room with like a coach just like screaming at you, kicking over. <laughs> like he he comes in the room, he kicks over the trash can, knocks over all the sticks, and just yells at everybody like you you guys are fucking embarrassing me and all like i don't don't know how it actually works but like what's the biggest criticism you've ever gotten like it's always probably from rafa just whatever he says he's always just like hardcore just right into me and just cuts deep he doesn't care because he just wants to you know he wants to see me improve but cuts deep sometimes (laughs) yeah i feel like anything he says is amplified by like a thousand though even if i said the same thing that he said it wouldn't mean as much if he says something, it's probably fucking true. Like, there's nothing you could do about it. It's it's crazy. Like, he'll he'll say something and cut into you, and then he'll just write this long essay as to why you are completely wrong if you argue with him. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, you know, he just keeps going and going to make sure, like, you know, you know what's wrong and to make sure to correct it. I, I would just accept that. I think if Rafa's even talking to you or trying to help you, that speaks volumes to, like, the kind of player yeah. you really are. Yeah, I never, I don't argue. Like, I used to... When I was younger, 2014, like I would kind of like say, well, you know, like try to do this, but I can. He would just kind of go on a little bit, but I don't anymore. I kind of listen to him more, of course. Some things I, you know, disagree on. It's just different matter of preference, styles, and all that. But definitely, most of the time, he's right. Oh, how old were you when you when you started playing like very seriously? Oh, very seriously, like high level. Um, how old was that? I think I was only 19. Holy shit. I'm not sure, but uh, something like that. Nineteen, I think. That's a young age to be just like doing all that stuff. I mean, I'm I'm 23 now. I can't even imagine four years ago having that kind of pressure on me, or or what I'm doing now. Either way, did that shape your like philosophy on gaming at all at an early age, or is it kind of stayed consistent? Um, I've always been competitive, but then mm-hmm. when that year happened, I just 
I think the drive just kind of went up a notch or two, like just always wanted to get to that level and always competing. It's really hard to play games nowadays if I'm not like trying my hardest because it's just I have to do my best now. Are you competitive like across real life? Not always, but yeah, sometimes, yeah, I just like really want to win at something and I'll just push for it no matter what it is. I have to imagine you've got to be to some extent like obsessive compulsive to like really get to to the point that you're at or or, or higher and i could i could just see when i talk to guys like you that you're you you all tend to have a similar quality in that like you're always really nice people who are like humble and you like act act like it's like yeah i'm just another guy i'm humble and you don't you don't talk down to people but in reality you probably should because it's like it's like insulting to the rest of us that you act like you're not different because you are. And th- I don't know, there's something going on in your head that I, I want to get to. Uh, and all, all of, all of you f- people, um, what do you mean you people <laughs> that I just, I just want to, I, I don't even necessarily intend to be like that great of a player. I'm not really trying to get there. I just want to really understand the psyche of someone who is so skilled at anything, really, whether that be uh, shooters or I don't know, golf uh architecture doesn't matter like it's impressive that anyone could be that good at anything with the with the further going on about your uh your playing philosophy do you have like a training regimen that you follow um i mean before i used to play a lot like all the time just constantly playing Mm -hmm. but um i realized that that wasn't really good for me i need to have really meaningful practice as shane explains it best rafa he always says to um you know, don't just practice, practice efficiently. Always make sure you're trying to learn something every time you play. And that uh that actually really helped me a long time ago. So I've I've gotten better just from just from that. Like like small little advice. I've seen I've seen it go both ways with people. Some people just think I need to play as many hours as humanly possible and then just kinda get their experience from there. But I think I think what you're saying is especially if you want to have a life makes more sense. Uh, yeah. To, yeah. There's no way you could spend 18 hours a day playing Quake and then also, like, I don't know, have a family or a job or anything else. Hanging out with friends. Yeah. Casual time. It's important to you, though. Like, you gotta, you gotta decompress. What do you do to decompress? I used to watch movies, but nowadays I think I just uh, hang out with friends and watch some streams here and there, chill, study a bit. What are you studying? I'm um, studying for a CCNA. I don't know if you uh, mm-hmm. know what that is. Okay. Cool. Are you going to, is that your career path or you, is that just the backup plan for Quake? Um, You know, at this point, I hope Quake succeeds, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like whatever, you know, whatever works out. If I, Quake takes off and does well or, I, you know, gaming, I can, um, I'll, I'll obviously finish the CCNA up and then I'll, I'll keep doing the competitive stuff for as long as I can because it won't always be here, as uh, Rafa says. That's so. true. Yeah. Quake is one of the weird esports where you can have like a really long career and you know like Rafa would be the best example he's been around for for freaking ever now. He started very young and yeah, it's it's one of the few esports where you really see like athletes um have longevity because most, you know, what's the average length of an esports uh I'm going to do it again quotes athlete um it's like a couple of years tops, right? Right, yeah. And then we see in Quake, we see people, you know, well into their 30s maintain a, a high skill, you know, high level of play. What is it? Do you, do you think there's anything to that? I feel like mechanics can be like just muscle memory at some point. 
So it's not like you don't have to have this insane aim like the young kids always do, like Claws and Serious Venger. They all have really good aim, but like you can have it up to an optimal point where it's like you don't need any more. It's just all about the mental game. Other than Rafa, who do you look up to the most? Uh, probably Zero Four. Okay. I Why? Because I, I used to watch him actually. Um, the first time I went to QuakeCon, like the the year before, I watched all the demos and CTF, and was watching him play, and I was like really impressed. And before that, I watched all the Quake Three demos as well. Just seeing how he played and seeing how intelligent he was, and then learning from him. And then I finally met him, and he was kind of a dick, but I still love him. That's all that matters, really. I mean, sometimes you don't ever want to meet your heroes. Sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, we're cool now. We're good. Yeah. Like he's the esports manager. I always hang out with him at lands. And, uh, he's offering to buy me drinks because of a story of him a long time ago that I won't get into as well. Do you have anyone? You don't have to actually like disclose if you don't want to step on people's toes. Is there anyone that you just like can't stand? Can't, can't can't do it. You've you ran into them. You can't do it. That is a tough one because I usually don't hate people. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's a perfectly valid answer. Just very neutral. Yeah, I think the only person I can't really stand is the. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but Thumpa. I no. Tell me the story. Okay. So the basic gist of him is he's completely insane. <laughs> um, he has this massive ego that I'm pretty sure. People think he's trolling. I think he's just serious and he's just really weird about it. But uh, he always talks about how he's a U.S. Air Force pilot, that he makes more money and, you know, the whole just uh, more women, all that stuff. If you were were an Air Force pilot, he wouldn't be telling people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's really weird. They always make the joke that he's the janitor at the Air Force, but (laughs) there was a huge thing. Um, I don't, I don't know the people involved. I just, I just know that he got really mad about it. But apparently, there was. Well, I don't know if I should probably get into this. this a little bit. No, 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 no. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. All right, all right. Well, at one of the lands, supposedly, um, someone saw some cocaine on someone's uh table in. Right, not the guy you were talking about. Just no, no, no. Someone saw no, some. Okay. Someone saw something. It was like some white powder. Supposedly, it was cocaine on uh in someone's room. He went and told Thumpa, and Thumpa had this huge thing with no evidence other than, you know, a guy talking about it from, like, 3 in the morning. You know, like, there was no uh, clear evidence as to whether or not it was true. He just made a huge deal about it, how cocaine is uh, enhancing people's performance at lands, even though it was afterwards. So it wouldn't really matter that much, even if it's true or not. Like, I don't, I don't approve, obviously, but if it did happen, it was afterwards. So it's like they did a celebration celebratory things so i don't really care that much that is interesting though so like, do you think that there are performance enhancing drugs in esports i think the answer is probably obvious but yeah i i do yeah um good old adderall yeah i'd, I'd say like Adderall, like uppers ritalin adderall five ants whatever five um, yeah, yeah big big time and then i'd have to imagine some guys are like popping a xanax or a drama mean to try to like not hyperventilate when they go out in front of people either yeah, I mean, there's yeah. always, like, sus- suspicions of, like, who does what, and sometimes there's, like, obviously we can't tell if it's true or not, but, you know, there's always suspicions. Things a little bit fishy. I won't, again, won't say names as to who. Yeah. Do you think that's, a, a like, a, a crutch, or is it just whatever to you guys? Like, you just, whatever, I'll beat anyone no matter what they do? Yeah, like, it's not um, a huge deal, because mm-hmm. if they take it, like, I always feel like they're just so mentally focused, they just kind of 
go quiet. If it's like a team mode, that is. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't talk as much. They're just so focused on doing whatever they're doing, and they forget about everything else. So it's more of a crutch than anything. If it's dual, maybe it might be an issue. But if you know if they're really good, like Rafa, DeHang, Cooler, whatever, they can handle it no problem. Aim is in everything. That's true. What other qualities about the game other than aim? I mean, we talked about aim a bit, but what what do you think sets you apart in that regard? Um, I always like to say like tactics, like the idea of like where to go and uh, how I go about things in like fights, mm-hmm. like the decision. I guess decision making more so than, but just like overall what I do, my decision making. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, from my uh, more limited perspective, but when I do watch you play, you tend you seem to have like almost a superhuman and different, like unique from other player handle on how you do that. Uh, your your movement is like very quickly between, you know, like just walking around court. You like walk a lot more than I've seen most people do. And you make, you make these weird decisions that like, I wouldn't even think were an option for myself. And, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, I, th- I think I saw you on blood covenant and you were able to just play, keep away um, from tox forever, like to just re rebuild your stack and everything that, and it was like a superhuman long amount of time. I want to say the round went into overtime for quite a while. But that's really impressive to see um, just just the way that you handle yourself in, in those kinds of situations because most people are just like so nervous they want to get it over with. And I, I've seen the uh, best example I can really think of is Avic. That guy could play forever passive. He's almost yeah. more comfortable looking playing passive than he is in control of the map. Yeah, that um, I guess that comes with experience almost, mm-hmm. I, I feel, but also... Like the way I I handle situations, I just kind of pick a like a decision and just go with it. I don't like to hesitate. I I realized a long time ago hesitating was never good for me, so I just kind of did something and relied on my uh, my strengths with my aim and uh, my positioning and you know whatever else at the time I was doing. Yeah, not dipping your toe in, just jumping in the pool, like one way or the other, make the best of it. The puddle, or if it's a pool, I don't care. I'm going in. Another thing I noticed about you in particular is your your handling of weapon choice is crazy good. Like it seems surreal to watch someone like you and and there's other players again that ha- share that quality. But like your handle on the tribal is ridiculous. When did that start? Because I think what was it? There was a big tournament last year where it just all of a sudden everybody started using the tribal. I can't remember what it was. Um, maybe Tor. Dear Dreamhack Tor. Maybe I'm not sure. But yeah, how how did you get a handle on that weapon? Doesn't matter. I just honestly, I spent a lot of time in pubs, like figuring out how, like what the distance was, mm-hmm. like how far it would shoot, and like obviously the damage output was insane at the time. So I just figured out like the timings on the the try. I don't know, like the bolts, I guess the the bolts of the try and um, the distance, like how far it would go, and just to, like getting a good feel for it. So then I thinking about it, like in in some games, like situations where I would use it, like where like little spots here and there, and then just timings exactly of when i needed to do so like um to do it when you're on the low ground or when you're trying to spam an area and you don't want to waste rockets like sort of sort of that degree well like i um i always try to like not really calculate but just kind of plan out of what would be happening in a game Mm -hmm. like sometimes you'll see this if i mess up like or i get really confused but i'll have um certain fights where i know exactly what i need to do to win and so if you know i'll go in and i'll 
just shoot someone and then shoot a flick rocket and then just keep going because I know that like it's going to kill him and I can't focus on him anymore. I need to have the maximum damage output. So I just keep doing that. Sometimes you see me mess up, shoot him, and he doesn't die. So I have to turn around and kill him. And then, you know, I realize, okay, I screwed up. And I just got to, what do I have to do from here? Just kind of a lot of um, situations like that where I just know what I need to do. Another thing that I see you do is uh, like quick finish with the shotgun. It's it's almost like a signature move for, for <laughs> like, just if you can't win the fight some other way, you'll just, I, I saw you, you were on Molten Falls and you like came up the jump pad, turned around. I think, I think this is against Rafa actually, but you just popped him with a shotgun almost long distance it was crazy like that it's that those kinds of decisions that really impress people like me though yeah i that actually comes from tdm just utilizing yeah. every single weapon in uh quake live playing it so much oh. i just got used to it and that's like helped a lot that's actually interesting like that we're getting to the the root of the problem here or not really the problem but the source of that is you know you, you you play in team modes mostly, so that forces you to get comfortable with every weapon because of whatever's yeah. available to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I see. You know, you see a lot of people just depend on basically three weapons, maybe the machine gun or a shotgun. Um, it, some people are just like they only play with the shotgun. They might as well not have any other weapons to, available to them. Hop smack! I'm calling you out, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but he, I mean, he beat me. I can't can't lie about it. What what's the rail like for you? How does um, it come across to you? Uh, it's definitely my favorite gun. It's mm-hmm. just like butter. I've, I actually, again, like playing the modes, like everything just comes together. But um, in Quake Three, after um, wow, what happened? I was playing Insta Freestag, and so I played that for several years. So like, I got so comfortable just using the railgun, and uh, that's what um, helped me in Quake Live get better shooting seventy five rail mm-hmm. back in the day. Just like constantly, never missing kind of thing. Yeah, the transition was huge for me. Like, I started out, I'd only ever played Quake 3 really before I came to Quake Champions, and the rail did not translate for me at all. I was essentially useless for the first three months I played with the railgun. And then I had to, like, really just have a come to Jesus with myself. And I was, like, copying every pro's set, like, mouse settings and changing mouses just to, like, try to figure out, like, how do I make, make this even part of my utility anymore? Because. There was a point where, like, I'm dueling people. They didn't even like if they knew me. They did not worry about the real gun. They didn't try to deny it. They weren't weren't scared. And I, I've seen yeah. I've seen matches where like it seemed like you were maybe struggling with the real gun, but you you tend to you you seem like you're handling the weapons is so good you can you can kind of rush in and force a different kind of fight if it's if you're not feeling it that day. Um, I guess it depends. Sometimes online, obviously, like the servers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the servers and netcode, but sometimes it does feel really weird. So you can't rely on it always, but sometimes it's just, it's just everything clicks and it just doesn't miss. So I I love those days, but I don't I don't generally rely on the railgun anymore like I did a long time ago. Is it an aim training thing at all for you, or do you just kind of like today I feel it, today I don't? It's just if it's if things are clicking mentally, I'm feeling a little bit more confident with it. So I'll try to utilize it in situations I know that I'll need it. So that's when I go for the shots. And if I don't hit them, then it's like, okay, I have to, you know, have a backup plan here. So I do different things as well. But, you know, no more re- railgun reliance. What are, what's like the f- favorite match you've ever played? If you could go through one. Uh, any mode? Any, anything. doesn't matter. What's the most interesting stuff you've done? My favorite match was definitely um, 
It would probably be the CTF match against Unknown in 2014. Mm-hmm. The uh, loser bracket finals. We did. Um, we actually lost them in the upper bracket. And uh, I had to like, I've never played against European teams ever. And so that was the first experience. It was a little bit different than Americans. They were more like definitely more like rail heavy. Definitely just uh, constantly trying to duel, like aim duel you the whole time. Never like teamwork, team pushes. It would just go in, hit as many rails as you can, and then get out. And it was really weird for me. So I had to like adjust a bit. And so when I did, like I just covered and going through the loser's bracket, I just got more and more confident. And then eventually we played them again and I was able to um, probably play my best game. Some of my best games in that loser bracket final. Have you ever uh, played um, CTF and other games other than Quake? Competitively, no. Okay. Just just Quake. Gotcha. I think you were still on a train of thought there. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I just, it, I was just finishing it. Was, that was like um, some of the best. CTF I've ever played. Is there a video? Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, there is. Okay. Point that out. Really to find it. Yeah, if you want to send it to me after the fact, I can link it to the to the actual podcast. Sure, sure. So, um, have you ever played Open Arena? Experimented with that game? <laughs> yeah, I actually have. I remember that was a few years ago. Yeah. Um. So I recently, because of the nature of what I do, I, I talked to a guy called Dots. Anyone's listening to episode two got that, but. So their CTF is really interesting. They have these mods they've implemented into the game. So because they have such a small player base, they tend to play with really high ping from, you know, Eastern United States to Western Europe all the time. And, but they have this thing called projectile D lag so that, that you can, you can play that game with 150 plus ping. And shoot a rocket, and it's going to hit exactly where you shot it. It, it is so weird, and it, it just like breaks my brain every time I do it. Huh. I have no idea how it's coded or or whatever. I don't know if the rocket's just like sped up or anything. It it feels exactly like you don't have like it, it feels like you just have low ping the whole time, even though in reality you're you should be lagging. Weird. And I'd, I'm interested if that can be translated across, you know into other games because that would change the nature of how people practice. Or like you said, you'd never had the opportunity to play uh, against European team. What would that be like if you could just do it any day of the week? That'd be awesome. Like just cons of practice against the Europeans, Mm -hmm. just get variety of games. That'd be really good. You know how it works. I'm actually curious. Like, do you know, I I genuinely, I don't know the first thing about computer programming at all. I'd, I'd like to learn over time, but Currently, I have no way. I'm gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna try to have another one of their guys who actually does the programming on to on the show to to try to make it make sense to me. But yeah, sometimes it, when it comes to coding stuff or or anything, if you're an expert in it, you can't. Some people can't talk down to the you know the a person who doesn't understand it and make that. Not everybody's Neil deGrasse Tyson, I guess. You know, that is the best example of someone who's like, he can speak about genius ideas, but make it make sense to the common person. I have to find that guy, essentially. Right, right. All right, so you're still playing on the team. Uh, 2v2s went away, so what's what's the plan team-wise? If you guys are going to play uh, competitive team modes. Um, Nothing's really set right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely it's me and Brick on the team. Uh, as far as I know, Deathrow does not want to play. And uh, we're, you know, we're still looking for two. We've, we've been talking with a few different people. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, try them out. 
make the team hopefully be better than liquid or <laughs> that would be that would be interesting to see like a north american team finally like start or at least give them competition because it's been just rafa to hang man all the way and then um and then in europe we got what team amd but they released know. a shitload of people um i know i don't think it's and namiga namiga ne- Cypher, uh, Epic. yeah yeah they got released and uh I'm pretty sure Maestro is not making a CTF team at the time. I don't know in Europe who like is going to be playing CTF on a uh, big orcs. There's a lot, plenty of players, a big pool, but I don't know what they'll be doing. Do you think CTF could work? Like, do you think it could be fixed in, in Quake Champions? Uh yeah, for sure. They already added the overtime. That's like a huge difference from before. Okay. But um, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't mind the um, asymmetrical maps. That doesn't really bother me. I think just a few um, tweaks to it, like the the flag drag. I don't, I haven't tried it out, but I guess we'll see how it feels. But just things to nerf the uh, the fast characters a little bit and be good. Yeah, I feel like some of the things that bother like a normal everyday player, the, the things that just drive them insane. Like pros tend to find a way to just not worry about that. They're like, ah, no, we're just gonna play anyway, and we'll figure out how to be the best at it and instead of. You know, some people will just bitch and complain all day long, which has been me at some point. I'm sure on recording, saying like, "How the hell am I supposed to catch Anarchy? It's never going to happen. I can't do it." Shoot him in the back, and he goes faster. And but the the, the real response to that is, "We'll we'll play as Anarchy. Figure it out. You know, or play as Sorlag or or Slash. Get good at it because you're going to need it." Right. What do you do? I just don't let him get the flag. <laughs> it's that simple. <laughs> Yeah. Just block, just put a brick wall up, and they don't get through. You play defense most of the time. Uh, yeah, I play what's called um, high D or mid. Mm-hmm. Mid, and I just kind of I'm the guy who's supposed to go help flag D, then push out, and then control the whole middle area. It's a little um, little complicated, complicated position. But what, what's a typical champ pick for the for your position? There haven't been a meta, but I think visor's probably the best thing so okay. far. The faster strafe jumping visual, yeah, yeah, yeah makes yeah. sense. Medium weight. I like to play uh, with my, like very limited experience here, but I like to play as Eisen and just play straight defense and let let the rest of the team kind of go at it. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll be the meta. Just have him throw a turret down, and he can yeah wander around a little bit. It's an extra defender, <laughs> especially on Citadel. You can just drop it like right in front of that, that first jump pad that comes up to the flag, just drop it right in front of there, and you'll know they're coming before they ever get there. Yep. Nice little warning signal. Yep. So on the on plus forward, you are ranked 13 in the world, Dueler. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just found this out last night. I don't know if these numbers are even still true, because I don't, I don't know how the updates actually work. But you're behind... Just behind Tox, Base, Cooler, Exron, Claws, Kilson, Sirius, Venger, Razy, Avix, Cypher, and finally Rafa. That's fair. Yeah. I, you're on the first page, though. I, I, it's, it doesn't matter what the hell you do. If you're on the first page, if you're even on the same page as... Every, I know every name on that list. And most of the ones after you. Like, how does that... Do you just walk around day-to-day feeling like a normal dude? I'm a little surprised, honestly. I'm on that list, like, that yeah. high up. I don't know. Like uh, I, I don't make the list. <laughs> I mean, I just, yeah, I guess I feel normal. Like, I feel like I'm really good, but I don't feel <laughs> amazing, I guess, at top 13 for sure. So if, you, uh, if you're if you talking to someone who 
maybe didn't really follow the pro scene, but thought they were hot shit at Quake. And they, they it was like, hey man, you want to play a game? They challenge you. You don't get that like warm, evil, fuzzy feeling inside, or you're like, yeah, you're about to get fucking murdered. Like, <laughs> well, if people have egos, I kind of like to take them down just a little bit. That's that's always a good feeling. Do you get accused oh. of cheating in in pubs all the time? Oh yeah, I still do. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Well. Of that list of players, though, like, is there anyone you haven't played that you really, really want to play? In Duel? Or, period. Is there a team? It isn't. Either way. I've played... I don't think I've played Zeron in team modes. I know I have played him in team modes in 2v2. We almost beat Claws and him, but we didn't for but, unfortunate circumstances. But we didn't. That sucks. Yeah. We were, like, way ahead of them in uh, at DreamHack Winter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the time time limit was set to five minutes, not fifteen. So we had to restart and had uh, ten minutes, and then uh, we lost after that. We won. We lost the first map. We won the second map, and then we lost the third map by like only five points or something. It was really a. Uh, it really sucked. So I don't know. This may be sacrilegious to some people. I'm a big fan of Claws. What's it like playing against him? What What do you worry about with him? Just crazy aim. I mean, his aim is definitely good. I think the scariest part is his confidence more yeah. so because he's just not afraid to do like like every time you think he's not gonna do that he just goes and does yeah it. that's like, what he just goes in he's like exciting to watch i guess is like no one really thinks or i don't know maybe they do for the most part people don't think like claus is the best player everybody seems to agree that that would be rafa but you know we've seen claus take two quake cons in a row but he's exciting to watch he's like a, a rogue crazy i um, the best thing I could compare him to is like he's like the Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of character. Like you don't have any idea what he's gonna do. He might flip off the boss and throw a beer across the room. Or like it's it's so cool, man. I, I Quake is Quake Champions especially has become like a like a celebrity esport in a way. I mean, it's not it's definitely not the biggest one, but for the for the fans like me, it's it's really interesting to finally be able to like really follow it, see it all on the big stage. Uh, the production at Quake at all of the events has gone up exponentially over the past like four years. Definitely, yeah. Like even uh, you were you said your first event was Quake Quan like twenty fourteen. If you go back and watch the production now, it looks like really you know it, it looks like what it was. It's kind of small cheese, and now I just look you see it come on the stream. Now it's like this big. It's like WrestleMania or or the, the fucking Super Bowl. I know and. Uh, they have the big stage. They, I don't know if they they're gonna still do them, but they had the big stages that they built for mm-hmm. just for the event. It's really cool to see. Yeah, it's beautiful. The camera work and the you know you'll have like the the cool like red lighting and everything. Yeah, for sure. It's just exciting. Um, the other thing on here on your information that I wanted to try to confirm is your winnings are totaled up to be like something around like thirteen thousand six hundred bucks. In tournament winnings, is that true? You don't have to mm. tell everybody how much money you got. I'm just. Let me see. <laughs> it's it's been a while. Um, I don't. I think I don't think so. Actually. Okay. I wonder where they're getting this number from. Then it says from. This is 20 different tournaments. That they're might saying just be Quake Champions. Okay. So more yeah. than that. It's a little bit more, yeah. Okay. So you could just conceivably assuming that you had a you know you have your real life job in check or whatever it is that you do you can just buy a new car from having played video games pretty much i mean i can't even conceive of how that must feel and are you do you make money on on stream at all uh i 
barely make uh, money from Streamlit. Okay. So it's a tiny bit. Like, um, I haven't, um, I've just been studying. Like, I haven't worked uh, for a little bit. So. Oh, that's good. Studying is important, man. I I'm doing both. So and and this. So it's it's a lot. Yeah. And I'm married, but we don't (laughs) don't have to go into all of it. Another question. A lot of people have kind of said. I think it was maybe Zoot watching you play. Like they felt like you had been playing a long time. You've been around. Obviously, you've been playing Quake forever. Everyone knows. I've always. I don't think. I can't think of a time when I didn't know your name. They they say like you just now started really trying to be a pro. What? Is that true? And if so, why now? Um, I guess that is true. Yeah, like before it was not really about being a pro. It was just competing. <laughs> and 2014, 15, 16, it was all just compete and to do, um, you know, to have fun almost. But then I guess when Quake Champions came out, it was kind of like an opportunity of like a, a second chance to do better and, you know, to be the best of what I can be. So I, I, I got more motivation and it's really exciting for me to, to play, I guess. You know, it's like a new... It's like seeing the game for the first time, and I really want to to play more. So that's that's how it feels for me. Do you have, did you have friends that like encouraged you? Like this is your moment, or was it just all internal? Like I have to do this. It was all internal, just thinking about it and wanting it. That's wonderful, man. Um, last topic, and I'll, I'll let you go. Get on with your life. You've been playing a lot of Apex, man. We got to talk about this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what well, it's. Uh, uh, a lot of people get worried about this kind of stuff, and I don't care at all. I hope you're having fun, truly. Like I just, I want you to play whatever the hell you want. But when we see like Dehang playing Overwatch, they're like, "Why isn't Dehang playing Quake today?" And then people got really nervous, especially like right around like after the Christmas uh, New Year's patch and all that. Like it's just like we got like is and and then they fire like I, we already talked about Mistro like letting people go and all this. We're like, is Quake? People get really scared that Quake's gonna die, and I, I don't think it ever will. But what what are you doing over there? <laughs> um well i wanted something to compete in and yeah. like something like a little pastime i probably won't be playing apex very much you know in the coming i guess i will be there's a little uh league coming up and mm-hmm. there's a qualifier right now i'm playing that and it's just for fun i'm not expecting to make a living off of it or compete a whole high level would you though if if, it, if the opportunity presented itself um i think i would play quake first and and I would just make that as long as I could. Then I would go for uh, Apex. It's okay. like in the baby stages. I wouldn't try. It's like there's no set competitive format or tournaments or anything. It's just people are having fun with it. So That's true. It's a really interesting game. Especially, yeah. I, I personally, I, I never liked any Battle Royale game I've ever tried. And even I even still kind of feel the same way about Apex. But when I did play it, I was like very impressed. I'm like, okay, if if I were going to play a battle royale like it would have to be something like this yeah that's the game right there yeah what do you like about it uh it rewards aggressive play for sure right every other one is just sit in a corner and wait this one at least you can do something with it pushing into people i feel like the Uh, the public gaming part of it is greatly improved by the fact that you all you know you don't have to but it's highly encouraged to all drop in one area and actually have to work as a team you don't just get paired up with some rogue jackass and pubs yeah yeah and the pinging system really good what what is it about the pinging system i'm not familiar um well you can just like ping everything you want to do like you're pushing here you're falling back you're gonna loot here there's an enemy here just like it's like pretty complex and i actually appreciate it i'm surprised no game has done it before but no we're here now so no that's great man um is there anything you wanted to plug or announce or say before we sign off of here 
Uh, just shout out to all my friends. Thanks to Ascent for sponsoring, and mm-hmm. uh, I just look forward to the future. Thank you for interviewing. Yeah, man, I, this is all this is just fun to me. Like I love the fact that I have an excuse now to reach out to guys like you. Like before, there was no real reason. I was just like some, some asshole, really. Um, this is this has been a really cool experience, and thank you for doing it. Because without guys like you, I wouldn't have this. Wouldn't be a thing for me. So I appreciate it deeply. Glad to help. Well, if you think about anything else you want to drop in, let me know after the fact. We could come back. We could do a second episode anytime. You're always welcome. Take care, man. Yeah. For sure. That's another podcast in the bag. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Uh, a few plugs before we get out of here. First of all, State of Quake podcast. If you're a subscriber, you already know about it. If you're not, if you're just catching this on a link, please go check those guys out. If you're into Quake Champions, they know all things. Talk about it all the time. Slipping on kind of great guys. With that said, they also host the uh, State of Quake Discord, where you can join up in their events every single Saturday. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. They rotate through bracket-style events. You got Diamonds in the Rough. That's Gold 5 and Below Duelers. Bracket-style tournament. You got the Blind Date 2v2. That one is hella fun. Super great. Uh, love it every time you get a, a random partner and you just get in there and you kick ass or not. It doesn't matter. You have fun. And then the classic dual bracket. I've even seen some prize pools start to pop up for that. If you're trying to get your name out there or just get some experience, like, you know, what, what it's like to be competitive, that's a great place to go. Also, every Thursday, Slip hosts the King of the Hill, the State of Quake King of the Hill, classic King of the Hill rules. You'll enjoy that, I hope. I don't know. But you're encouraged to go try it out. Join Catholic Keep if you wish. You're invited. It's the home base for this podcast. It's uh, just all things arena first-person shooters, great community. Uh, some fun events, you know, hopefully popping up around. It's been rough lately, but we'll get there. And let's see, what else we got? Oh, Smango. We got a shout out Smango. He's the boss, my friend. And he's got what? Quake fans. He's got a lot of stuff. I'm just going to list it all off. Quakefans.net, arena first person shooter news, articles, all that kind of stuff. His YouTube channel. That's where like a lot of our past events are on there or just content in general that you might enjoy because you like this podcast. Maybe you like what he does. With that said, he is a podcast. Uh, called the Full Tech Podcast, and that's one for you know if if you're of that niche audience, uh, you're just you know getting used to PCs, or you want to know more about technology in general, see some reviews, hear him uh, hear a crazy redneck just ramble about what uh, indie game pissed him off this week. Doesn't matter. He's a great guy, and I think you'd enjoy the show. Lastly, uh, if you know someone in your life, getting serious, folks, who makes excellent craft beer. I'm not saying we're looking for sponsors. I'm just saying. If I got free beer, I would definitely drink it, and I would definitely talk about it on the show. Just saying. Love you guys. Uh, Stay in the keep. Peace out.